When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Good morning. Wherever you are in the world uh gene thank you very much five minutes late same as always uh yeah i think it's getting better actually i think today we're five minutes late yesterday was seven no big deal anyway let's get straight to it actually uh and actually uh, you may have noticed a little bit of a shave a little bit of a shave as we get now towards the business end of the tournament i thought i would start to get a bit more business like Let's dive straight to it. Uh, feel free to shout up your questions, get them in the live chat. Um, but straight away, first point on the agenda. Did Marin Cilic win today? No. Sadly for his fans, he went out to Felix um, in four sets. Uh, four, I mean, two of which were tiebreakers, by the way. Let me know what you thought of this match in the chat. I wasn't able to cover all of it. I got through the first set. And I, I don't know what happened to Chilich because Chilich was on fire in that first set. Just, hi, Fatima, by the way. Yeah, just on fire, Chilich, in the in the first set. So um, he was hitting his spots. He was hitting them with power. And I had Felix to, to win this match. But I was... Um, I was surprised at how how on fire. Well, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, given how well Chilich did in the previous match. By the way, talking about predictions, I got six of these eight correct. Okay, six of these eight matches I I called. I don't think they were the most difficult ones to call. I felt there was a, with the exception of probably Fritz Sitsipas, I thought there was a clear favourite in each one, from my side. But nevertheless, six out of eight, I think, is pretty impressive. I'm going to give myself an A- minus for that. Uh, so, yeah, so let's go. Yeah, so anyway, so Felix, um, I think there's a couple of points that you want to address on Felix. I think there's a nice element of consistency regarding Felix now uh, that was obviously in his youth was a bit 
lacking, if you like. But when I say consistency, he took on uh, Tony Nadal just just under a year ago. Basically, it's the clay season got underway, I think, in Monte Carlo. And we were all looking to see how, you know, Tony Nadal would improve Felix, perhaps, particularly in terms of the clay court. But actually, his clay court season season was nothing to write home about, put it that way. And um, it kind of looked like this Tony Nadal experiment wasn't really sort of working out, given that obviously we saw Nadal, um, you know, Rafa Nadal and the success he had on clay and couldn't seem to reproduce it with Felix. But um, what I would say is that since the clay court season, we have seen a remarkable level of consistency from Felix now at the slams in particular. So he got to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, um, which is obviously, a, you know, it's a step up from where he was, particularly, as I say, during that clay court season. He then gets to the semifinals at the US Open. And we all remember that really super tight first set he had against Daniel Medvedev in the semifinals. Medvedev, don't forget, goes on to win the title. So perhaps that puts it into a bit more perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he it was a really tight first set in the US Open for Felix against Medvedev. And Obviously, we've got those two coming up in the next round in the quarterfinals here. So that will be that's going to be a tough one for Felix. Let me know in the chat how you see that one going. Uh, hi, Ruari. Uh, nice to have you on board again. Hope you're having a nice day. Yeah, nice day. I'm enjoying the tennis. I think today, arguably day eight, was maybe the most exciting day of the tournament, especially so many tight matches that we're obviously going to get into. By the way, let me know in the live chat if you're listening on Spotify. Let me know if you're watching on YouTube or uh, let me know how you're taking this in. Let me know what you're doing. Are you cooking breakfast? Are you cooking lunch? Are you at work? Uh, let me know how you're doing this. Are you sit back smoking a cigar in, in your lounger? Yeah, thanks, Rari. It was a good one, yeah. Yeah, it was a great day. So, uh, Felix, yeah, um, let me know how you think he's going to get on against Medvedev. Um, I see, obviously, Medvedev being the hot favourite. And, and and talking of which, Medvedev today uh, emerging in four sets against Cressy. On the face of it, it looks like a pretty good win for Medvedev, um, dropping a set. Um, but nevertheless, that was a super tight set. In fact, really, after the first set, they were all tight. But Cressy is a tricky customer. But I think now we're seeing a bit more that this is a guy, Cressy, who's going to be taking sets playing serve and volley off the big players. Don't necessarily think uh, Fatim is having a coffee. Nice. Don't think necessarily think that that's going to be uh, enough to get into world number one. Oh, that's a good stat. Medvedev, 63 winners, 13 unforced errors. Yeah, that's excellent. But, um, but nevertheless, Cressy did get under his skin today. We had another one of these moments that we see from Medvedev from time to time. Um, I recall one in particular more or less a year ago. I think it was the second or the third round against Krajinovic at um, the Australian Open. And it was quite similar, actually, in a way, because I know I know Medvedev, we're going to just highlight quickly what Medvedev talked about with regarding this meltdown. Uh, or meltdown is an exaggeration, but loss of control, loss of temper. He said that it's something that he doesn't want to repeat. He said, uh, in an interview, I think, with Eurosport afterwards, he said, because, oh, yeah, because at one point he said about Cressy's style, oh, it's so boring. It's so boring. And um, Medvedev tried to elaborate on this a bit. He said, during the match, I got a little bit crazy. I think with myself, 
I was trying to talk something in the air to get into his mind a little bit. So maybe he starts saying, what the hell is Medvedev saying? And misses some shots. A couple of people have highlighted this and mentioned the fact that they think that's a, uh, a good thing, an honest thing for Medvedev to say that he's using, uh, what's the word, he's using gamesmanship or whatever, but he's also being honest about it. And I don't have too much problem with a, a little bit of game and sh- gamesmanship. I don't have a few t- too many problems with a few barbs coming across the net. That is fine. I just don't know if I believe him. I think that that actually, if you think about it, you tell Cressy, your style is bothering me. Your style is working. And by the way, very important context. Well, yeah, you can say it literally worked because Medvedev went on to win the match. I would argue that Medvedev would have won the match anyway. Um, I don't really think that that made any difference. I, I, I don't think it's an interesting strategy either, Almino. I just think that he was frustrated. He was frustrated. Think about when this happens in the match, okay? Just like last year with Krajinovic. Krajinovic, he's leading two sets to love, comes back to two sets all, Medvedev gets angry. He goes on to win the match. Here, Medvedev, leading two sets to one, two sets to love, loses a really tight third set tiebreak. He's angry. He admits, I got a little bit crazy. I apologize. I need to control myself, he said. Um, yeah, from the point of the, the, the outburst, he dominated fine. But I don't know if that, if that affected Cressy at all. I mean, Cressy's still serving and volleying. Did Cressy change his style from that point onwards? No, he didn't. He didn't. He still continued. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I'm convinced that Medvedev was doing it. And, and basically said, I got a little bit crazy. So it's not like there was a methodical thought behind this. He's not going, okay, I want to get in Cressy's mind here. I want to I try and throw him away from uh, his serve and volleying style. He just lost his cool. In a very tense moment, as he does, he was. It was the one point of the match where he was str- struggling, if you like. It was the boiling point, and you know, I don't know. Uh, for me, I just you're not going to throw someone from from someone who's got such a really consistent and easy philosophy: serve and volley, serve and volley. Okay, it's not you can't throw someone from that philosophy. You can throw someone who's got back of the court and they're trying to get their points necessarily and trying to hit their... That's when you can throw someone. I don't see this. I I think Medvedev is trying to sound clever here. I don't believe him. I think it may have been a motivational tool for himself, uh, but I think he was just stressed and he was just not happy. Um, So boring. Uh, He also was losing it with the umpire at the same time. Was that a psychological thing? Was he trying to put Cressy off there? No, he was just annoyed. Um, Yeah. So anyway, but still, I don't care. It's still good to see. It wasn't too harmful. Medvedev is the world number one. He should be beating Cressy. Uh, four sets, three sets, whatever. Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, and we still love him for it. I think there's there's no really super cynicism with him. Uh, I just don't believe it was a psychological ploy. I think he's just trying to sound a bit clever there. Uh, I just think he was angry. Simple as. Okay, um, let's move on from Medvedev to possibly the match of the day. Uh, it was um, pretty much the last match of the day, although it obviously started um, before Sabalenka Kanepi, um, but obviously it went five sets. So that is Sitsipas Fritz. 
Let me know in the live chat what you think of this match, but also um, how it panned out. We did have another Sitsi Pass on-court coaching moment uh, where even the umpire was like asking him to stop coaching him. Um, as we can see here from the, the umpire, he's basically begging uh, Sitsipas to stop the on-court coaching and to his father in particular. Is this a, is this a thing? Um, is, is there no smoke without fire? We're seeing it so often now with Sitsipas and particularly with his father. Obviously we had the toilet breaks. We're getting the communication. Um, also should you be angry with the umpire? Should the umpire be asking, please stop the on-court coaching? Shouldn't the umpire go, uh, warning, you know, point loss, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, what, what is the role of the umpire in this situation? Let me know what you think in the, in the chat. Uh, Ruara, yes, yeah, Steph looking good. Uh, way too many unforced errors on his backhand though. Some, uh, someone like Medvedev will pick that apart. I think it's an interesting point. Um, regarding the the backhand. Yeah, there were unforced errors, but if you can get a couple of really good sets out of the backhand, and we saw it against Nadal at this stage or the quarterfinal stage a year ago, you know, you, you, you're still going to win matches and you're going to win bid matches. Whether it'll be, whether it needs to be on fire for, for three sets or more, as you say, against uh, Medvedev, that may well be the case. But let's, let's accentuate the positives uh, from both sides of the net, if you like, um, regarding the City Pass uh, match with Fritz. Five sets today, incredible. Um, Fritz takes the first and the third one, and City Pass is obviously down. This is another feather in the cap. Two sets to love down against Nadal a year ago, comes back to win. Two sets to one down here against Fritz, comes back to win. Is the fragility, the mental fragility with City Pass, is it done now? Is it, um, are we over this, this hurdle with City Pass? I think it was a, from the minute he broke through on the scene in 2019 with that win against Federer, we've kind of looked at City Pass and we've waited for him to falter, if you like. Are we now over that mental fragility that we thought City Pass had? I mean, today he was clutch, um, in the, in the serious moments. He managed the business ends in particular of the sets he won incredibly well. He was aided and abetted, though, by the person on the other side of the net. And I particularly want to focus on the fifth set. I think Fritz blew it. Uh, I think at four all in the fifth set, I think he blew it. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, Ben, by the way, mentioned it in commentary. Ben's commentary today, um, particularly during that fifth set, was really, really spot on. I actually had my TV down. And I had Ben's commentary on. So good was it. Um, I do have my uh, rose-tinted GTL glasses on. But I'm, I'm telling you, his commentary was insane. And he was, I'm repeating in a way some of the things that Ben was saying. That's how good it was. Ben is watching the match. And Ben is calling this as he's watching it. I'm in the fortunate position that I can have a couple of hours to evaluate, look at things. But I'm still evaluating it in a very similar way to what Ben was doing. As it was happening, when Fritz was coming to the net on some of those points, not just in the fifth set and other sets too, but particularly at the business end of that fifth set. And he wasn't really coming with any conviction. And as a result, and, and conviction, confidence, 
or technical issues or a mixture of all three. And as a result, he was dumping his volleys into the net at crucial, crucial moments. He was also, I remember, hitting an unforced error wide at one point. And there was also some tentative winners from Fritz at the absolute crucial ends of those three sets he lost. And none more so than on the break point down. Uh, he was at four in the fifth set. You know, doesn't get much more tense than this. You know, he should have probably put some of those winner opportunities away. And ultimately, he was undone by his tentativeness at the net and the un- the unforced error on the volleys. Um, yeah, and I think Fritz will have some regrets. You know, I think he's a top 10 player in the making. There's no doubt about that. Um, but... Yeah, Pass though, clutch, hats off. Do you think Pass can win the tournament? Are we getting a bit too carried away uh, with this? Uh, Pass now in the next round is going to be playing Sinner, which is where I um, had him coming out. Um, ben, better than commentaries than Andrew Castle, question mark? Yeah, <laughs> but then I think Andrew Castle is... Personally, he's not my favorite. Uh, I think Mark Petchy is amazing. There's uh, one or two other guys. There's a Scottish guy who's really good too. Um, there's some really good commentators out there. I do like McEnroe, but McEnroe not so much for for the tactical or technical analysis. I just like him for his charisma. But I think that's a nice combo if you can have somebody who knows the technical side of the, the game and then you can uh, have somebody like McEnroe there too. So I, I think those are the, are the, the good commentators. Andrew Castle, for me, I'm not uh, um, sure if he always knows the rules. Uh, I remember him once at the ATP, uh, sorry, the uh, end of tour, end of year finals, ATP end of year finals in London, I think it was 2019, where he was getting himself so confused over the round robin thing that uh, it was just, it was embarrassing. So, yeah, and then I also saw his analysis of the Djokovic um, uh, situation wasn't particularly good. So anyway, uh, whatever. So back to the back to the Ben commentary and the back to the the, the unbelievable match and and Sitsipas being so so clutch today. Uh, Sitsipas playing Sinner in the next round. In my predictions, I did have these two on a collision course from the beginning of the tournament. Maybe not the biggest call out there. Yeah, Kathy's saying she doesn't think Stefanos will win. I think you're right. Uh, but actually, I think in a way. Given where City Pass was two months ago, a little bit like with Nadal, albeit at very different stages of their career, I, I, I think this has been, a, I guess, a successful tournament for City Pass. I mean, at least he's he's healthy and he's fit. Uh, he could go out to Sinner in the next round because Sinner's playing unbelievably well, beating uh, Demonor today. Um, by the way, we had a, a animal update. We had a butterfly on Sinner, I think, at the in the end of court interview, and actually the butterfly seemed to be stalking him somewhat. Somewhat. Uh, what animal? What what animal? By the way, let me know in the live chat. What animal are we going to see on court tomorrow? So far, we've had cockroaches, we've had seagulls, we've had butterflies, crocodile. Are we going to have a crocodile on court? I guess. By the way, I'm going to say this before anyone in the chat. We should be seeing we should be seeing uh, Rafa on the court tomorrow. So I guess we're going to see a ball on the court. I love this from JG. We're going to see <laughs> we're going to see a rhino on court tomorrow. Um, are rhinoceroses um, rhinoceroses rhinoceri? Uh, let me know in the chat about the plural of rhinoceros. Um, 
Uh, <laughs> are we going to see a rhino on court tomorrow? I have my doubts. It would be amusing, um, but whatever. Um, by the way, the way uh, the way Cressy was moving around the court today, at times it was a bit like an elephant on the court, but uh, whatever. We had an iguana in Miami, Kathy uh, calls. You say we. Uh, were you at the tournament in Miami? Is Miami your hometown? I, I have to say, I know you're from the US, Kathy, but I can't remember which which one. Yeah, it's got to be a kangaroo. Uh, octopus there from Jared. But I think you're right, Kay. It's got to be a kangaroo. Oh, of course we had it. Oh, sorry. Getting the octopus reference. Very good, Jared. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's move on anyway. So, yeah, he'll be playing Sinner. And um, I guess that's 50-50. I, I had Sinner to progress at the beginning of the tournament. Let me know what you think in the live chat. Uh, on that one. Okay, Felix Tick, uh, Sinner Tick, Sitsipas Tick, Medvedev Tick. I think, therefore, obviously, we now have to. Are you in Orlando? Are you, my, uh, Kathy? So at least you're um, in the same state. Uh, we, as the tennis community, are. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, that's true. We, that's true. The we from the tennis community. I've gotcha. Okay, so let's move on to the women's side of things. Let's uh, have a quick talk about, let's talk about Swacek Chastea, first of all, because actually I didn't get to see this um, match, but I know uh, many of you did, including JG, who briefed me actually just before um, we came on air regarding this match. I uh, said it was a brilliant match. Obviously, he had a particularly close eye on it because he had uh, Sustea as his dark horse, I believe, against his eventual winner of Swan check. So I guess in a way it was a win-win for him. Um, so excellent predictions there, JG. Hats off. I've already complimented Ben on his commentary, uh, less so on his predictions, but I think we covered that early on in the tournament. But no, but regarding this, um, I'm, I'm really pleased with Swan check. She, I do have a soft spot for her. She's a quirky character, but she's also funny and she's also brilliant. And she's also brilliant on the hard courts now. I kind of had a, a thing where I was talking with people either online uh, uh, or, or elsewhere um, early on in the tournament where everyone kept saying how well Halep is playing and we're going to come to her in a minute. But I was like, Swanchek is playing better. And I think Swanchek has a better chance of winning the tournament. Hello. What happened on day eight? Swanchek through Halep out. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, um, I think the other thing, by the way, let's talk about just um, uh, Cornet against Halep now. Um, I think we've got to move on to that because I think the win from, from Cornet was, was surprising. I had Halep to go through the number 14 seed and yet I've had doubts about Halep. I mean, people going crazy on her saying, yeah, she's going to get to the final, blah, blah, blah. She's got a chance of winning it. Um, I don't know. She's not got to a final since Wimbledon 2019. I know we've had the pandemic and obviously we didn't have a Wimbledon in 2020, but that's she's not really come close to winning a slam since Wimbledon 2019. That's that's a while. That's a a three year period. I know she got injured. She changed her coach, by the way, Cahill. What was that about? Um, I I get it that I I mentioned before with other players that a fresh voice can be good. A change of coach can be good. You know we've seen it so many times. That's a good idea. Did she? fire Cahill a little early. I know it finished on good terms. Halep, I remember getting married and there was a nice Twitter exchange between the two. And then a couple of weeks later, Halep says, you're fired. Uh, uh, Cahill took it well and said, no problem. It's been great working with you. Cahill, though, now obviously working with uh, another player and doing pretty well there. 
Did she pull the trigger too early? I think maybe she did. Uh, I don't think Cahill was the problem with her. I know she's had an injury as well. But still, going out to Corne is disappointing from her side of things. Let's have a quick look at some of the stats today. Unforced errors, 41, although Corne didn't really cover herself in glory on that front either. I mean, obviously, a lot of Corne's were were the, the double faults. But, you know, she's just not showed the form for me, Halep, that suggests she was going to get to the final of this tournament. Um, and, yeah, turned out to be the case. Let's have a quick word on Corne, though. She was very, very emotional in her encore interview afterwards and absolutely understandable. I mean, Alice Corne, let's, this is a great stat, by the way, has played in every Grand Slam since the start of 2007. And she's just reached her first ever major quarterfinals. If that's not a lesson in perseverance, I don't know what is. Um, so, yeah, unbelievable and and great. Yeah, I know Cahill is the coach of Anisimova, Gene. Uh, to be honest with you, the reason why I didn't mention it is just because I didn't want to mispronounce her name. But he's doing great there. And, I, and I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather focus on on whether you, what you think about Halep, who, by the way, Gene, you said was going to get to the final. Oh, hello. Um, so uh, Nathan there saying he would like to see Canopy or Cornet to win the tournament. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of generally, <laughs> I'm going to contradict my Rafa support here. I generally like to see a new Grand Slam winner as and when it's possible. So that would fit that. Um, Cornet is playing her 63rd Grand Slam. Nice one, Snehill. That sort of supplements this, um, this, um, this, this unbelievable stat here that she's been in everyone. And now she's in the far in the quarterfinals. And she was obviously very emotional in her towel afterwards. There was a few tears there and was a great interview, uh, that she gave afterwards. And, and yeah, it's great to see. I, I always want to see a new grand slam winner, but <laughs> Rafa is the exception, but if Rafa goes out, I'm on the Monfils bandwagon all the way. And would love to see him win on the, on the, on the men's side. And, Players like Cornet and 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 uh, Sabalenka as well. We're going to come to her in a minute. Uh, would be great to see them win. Actually, let's come to Sabalenka now um, and her match today. Oh, bless her heart. Um, we'll talk about Canopy in a second, but obviously um, uh, Sabalenka. We've still got the the double fault thing. It went to a super tie break. This match was actually going on at the same time as City passes five set epic. So I couldn't really. Uh, pay much attention to it. I could see how it was going. Sabalenka winning a tight first set. But let's have a quick look. 46 unforced errors, 15 double faults. That's actually going in the wrong direction again. I think she had 19 in round, uh, round second round, I think it was. Then it was down to 12, I think, or no, 10. It was down to 10 in the last round. Um, and now it's gone, went back up to 15 today, albeit a slightly longer match because obviously it went to a super tie break. Um, it's, it's a shame for Savalenka, but I, 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 I want to put something to bed almost in the, in the, what I heard kind of as the tournament got underway after the first round, one or two people were suggesting, I think it might've been a coach or a former player was suggesting, um, she shouldn't have gone to the Australian Open. She should have, have gone to the practice court and sorted out this serve issue. Well, I don't think the practice court is where you're going to fix this. I think because it's a mental thing, you could hit 100 aces in a row on the practice court, but I'm not interested. I want to see what you're doing when there's people in the stadium and the, and the matches matter and you're trying to get to a quarterfinal of a slam. So I think it's great that she went. I think it's great that she's trying to play her way through this. Um, 
We're going to focus on it as as, as you, you you have to um, as a, as an analyst. But I think the best way for her to get out of this rut is just to keep playing matches. Uh, I'm not saying that she should be playing them every day for the next two years until she comes out of this. But the only way she's going to get rid of this Yips style problem is by playing matches. And and I also think it's a good sign that she's brave enough. I think that the that the not playing matches is the sort of easier way out. But um, anyway, Canopy, uh, I'd love to hear from anyone in the live chat if they had Canopy in their quarterfinal. I don't think anybody did. Um, Gene, I think you're being harsh on Sabalenka there, saying that she got very lucky to make the fourth round. I think she was playing really well. I think she was playing unbelievably well and was just, it was just the serve. I don't know what went wrong today exactly. Um, I do think there is a bit of a mental fortitude issue there, Kathy. That's true. Um, Jack saying he's not a fan of the Sabalenka grunt, but he is sad to see, you know, the way she was struggling today. She does seem a decent person off court and hopefully she can emerge. Is this Canopy's limit though? Is is she going to go out in the next round? Let me know what you think about that in the live chat. And, um, yeah. Okay. Talking of which, fire in your questions now, please, ladies and gentlemen, get those out there. Hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Um, good question, 12 Travel 21. Is it Canepi or is it pronounced Canopy? You're asking the wrong dude here. Uh, I think I'm quite close on this one. Um, but, uh, but let me know. Gary, they're saying he always cheers for Arena to break through. Seems like she's an asset to the game. Couldn't agree more. Love to see her out there. And, um, and, and she's a great player. And if she gets the serve right, she's got the rest of the game to win a slam. That doesn't mean she will. She's obviously not even been in a slam final yet. But she has the tools with which to win a grand slam. But as I've said before, the women's game is more competitive now than ever. Uh, okay, son of Robin, uh, which is obviously uh, AKA Ben, saying, ha, 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 canapé. Uh, as in, I think he's got the accent on the E there. Could well be, although um, I'm not sure. But but um, yeah, let me also know in the live chat. Uh, thoughts on Rafa getting the daytime slot tomorrow? Good or bad news? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Definitely 12 Travel Gentlemen. A great question, and I'll definitely be addressing that and a couple of other things regarding Rafa in a second. Um, but before I do that, I don't want to preview. I will be giving a quick preview on the Rafa match, but I won't be previewing many of the other matches too much because we've got a couple of special episodes coming up for you this evening, uh, the first of which should be dropping your way at about half past seven UK time. Please be patient, ladies and gentlemen. We've got two weeks of tennis going on, most of which is going on through the night, most of which is causing most of us sleep deprivation, and none more so than Ben. Uh, (laughs) And yet we're all trying to maintain day jobs and we're all trying to get this content to you on time and as efficiently and as good as we possibly can. Will we mispronounce a name? Yes. Will we be five minutes late sometimes? Yes. Will we not remember the exact stat from a match between Rod Laver and Fred Perry from 1912? Yes. And before you say it, I know Fred Perry and Rod Laver were different eras, but I think it's a joke. So look forward to this this evening. Should be coming your way roughly half a seven GMT, half a state CET. But please be patient. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into these videos and, and production, as, as I'm sure you appreciate. Obviously, we'll be doing a deep dive as well on the men's side uh, shortly afterwards. I, for one, will be looking forward to those. 
sit back, relax, put the kettle on, get the beers out, pour yourself a glass of wine or even a cognac and enjoy those previews. I'm going to address that question regarding Rafa um, because I'm just going to have a quick look towards that. That is a game that, or a match that we will be covering covering on the live chat. And by the way, fire in your questions now. I've obviously got that Rafa question to address. Uh, 12 travel 21. I'd love to see Fred Perry versus Rod Laver at Wimbledon. Yeah, I think we'd have to be neutral territory though, uh, 12 travel 21. Um, I'd probably like to see it on top of a one of those hotels in Dubai, like uh, we saw with Agassi and uh, <laughs> and Federer all those years ago. Uh, just because um, I think Wimbledon would favour Fred Perry to some to some extent, albeit that I know Rod Lever did well there too. Couldn't have it in Australia for the same obvious reasons. So maybe we should go clay. Maybe let's go clay on top of a hotel. Anyway, let's um, fire any questions and I'll address those in a minute. But let's first of all go to the question that was mentioned before uh, about whether the um, whether, you know, what I think about this daytime thing regarding Rafa. Yeah, thanks. 12 Travel 21. Yeah. Thoughts on Rafa getting the daytime slot tomorrow. Good or bad news? Well, depends on who you are. Uh, if it's Rafa, if you're Rafa Nadal, good news. It's obviously the fifth. Is it the fifth math match out of six? Fourth match out of five. Fourth match out of five he's got on the daytime. Uh, so yeah, fourth match out of five for Rafa. Is he leaning on the, on, on the organizers? Let me know what you think in the live chat. I think it's pretty clear. I thought it before the last round. Uh, JG, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, or perhaps you're going to elaborate on it later. Maybe you should keep your powder dry, but be ready. JG, be ready. Ben is going to be firing at least one curveball your your way. I think it'll be more than a moon ball. It'll be a it'll be a moon and a curve and a backhand and a topspin and a backspin ball your way because he's going to be wanting to get your opinions and he's going to be coming at you. You know, if you thought that court case before was tricky and if you thought those lawyers knew what they were doing, especially Djokovic's lawyer who seemed pretty mean, be ready for for Ben this evening because he's definitely going to be put, trying to pick you apart on this one. So get yourself in order and, and get your notes down because yeah, Rafa has now got his fourth match out of fourth match out of five on, uh, on the daytime. Um, something that's been mentioned before by many people, uh, far bigger experts than me on the game talking about the top spin in the warmer conditions do that do favor Nadal and Nadal even him, himself touched upon it probably most significantly uh, after his semi-final defeat to uh, JG's response will be slower than Rafa's serving. <laughs> nice one. Boring, Ben. Too busy watching Barty winning straight sets. Oh, by the way, I do want to um, I do want to have something there with Ben. Ben, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously trying to get JG on something here, but he, he, he tries to get me too. When I was pulling his predictions apart, he starts right, rifling through my drawer of predictions, going through all of the predictions I've done in the last 18 months, trying to pick them apart. He's sending me messages my way, sending me tweets, reminding me of, of my Fred Perry and, and uh, Rod Laver prediction from 1912. Going, yeah, 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 yeah. You said it'd be a super tiebreaker anyway. So... Just, just be aware of that, JG. Um, anyway, Rafa, daytime. Yeah, so Rafa said something really kind of, if there was any doubt before, that it's something that Rafa pays attention to too, which was after his defeat to Djokovic last year. Um, most, pretty much all of his semifinals on Philippe Chatre have been during the day, as they they were until obviously you had the opportunity to have floodlights there uh, in the last couple of years. So that that's not a conspiracy theory. But he did mention after his defeat to Djokovic, I'm sure... He wishes that he'd had the first match on that day or even more 
Tsitsipas and Zverev, which was in the other semi-final that same day, if that had been a three-set match, as it may well have looked, because Tsitsipas won the first two sets comfortably, um, Rafa Nadal prefers the hotter daytime conditions. And of course, that match against Djokovic started in the daytime, if you like, or at least the daylight. But Rafa said that as the match wore on, he wasn't getting quite so much topspin on his shots. He wasn't working in his favor as much. And what happens? The longer the match went on, the darker it got and the cooler it got, the more Djokovic uh, improved. I'm sure there's a million other factors behind that match, but let's call it one factor. And a perfectionist like Rafa will try and squeeze out every possible advantage he possibly can, and none more so than obviously at this stage. I'm surprised, though. I thought that he did well to get three out of four on during the day. I thought now, because it's getting towards the latter end of the tournament, the tournament organisers will want him later on if you like, because he's a big draw and the later he plays, the better it is for for audiences coming to the matches. Okay, let's have a look at some of your other questions anyway. Uh, how do I see this going? 50-50. I, I can't call it. I, I had Rafa going out to Zverev at this stage. Shapovalov winning it has put my head in a spin. Pay attention to the uh, previews this evening and uh, yeah, may maybe see what JG and Ben have to say about that. Okay, let's have a quick look at some more of your questions. Uh, I can see one here from Jared. Rank the top half of the men's draw in percentages are most likely to get to the final. Okay, that's a that's a bit of a trickier one that I'm going to have to think about. Um, I'll come back to that one, Jared, okay? Um, top chances regarding... Let's go. Actually, no, I'll, I'll do it now. We've got Rafa. We've got um, uh, Chapo. We've got Monfils. And we've got who's the other one in the in that half of the draw? Who's Monfils playing against Berrettini? Okay, I think Berrettini's probably got the easiest quarterfinal. So let's go with thirty percent Berrettini. Let's go twenty five twenty five Chapeau. This is just off the top of my head. Uh, Monfils twenty. Uh, I think it's nip and tuck. But I have just because of Berrettini's quarterfinal is probably the easiest on paper, the one I do see Berrettini being the favourite for. So I have Berrettini as the most likely to get to the final and Monfils the least. That doesn't mean that Monfils won't. I still think it's close. We're only looking at four players there, so we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, I see Berrettini as the most likely uh, getting to the final. Okay, next question. Monfils versus Berrettini. Great. Well, I've already suggested from Snehill. Good question there. I've already um, uh, suggested that Monfils is the least likely and Berrettini the most likely. Um, yeah, everyone's counting him out, but I really back him Monfils. I want him to win. Listen, I'd love to see Monfils win, but Berrettini's the favourite, and I'd probably have Berrettini winning that in straight sets. Um, although Monfils is arguably playing the best tennis of his career. We don't know until he plays a big hitter. And we'll see that tonight, stroke tomorrow. Okay, uh, next question. Let's have a quick look down here. What have we got going on? Just scrolling down quickly. Three American women made the semifinals of the Australian Open. Thoughts? I think not all three will, but I was super impressed with uh, Collins today. Um, she was amazing in her match. I didn't really touch on her match too much. I think I skipped over, actually, but I had so many... Uh, thoughts on Collins that I will just bring up at this point. Um, she was a breakup uh, uh, at one point in the first set, and then she was a breakdown, losing that first set. I think she was just too, not too aggressive. I, I like her aggression, but I think she lost her composure on occasions. She was hitting unbelievable shots going at such venom, but then she would 
that wouldn't win her the point because Merton's defense was incredible. And I think she just lost her cool at certain times. She would hit what she thought or hoped would be a winner. Probably was a winner in the previous rounds, but it wasn't winning against Merton's. And eventually she got frustrated. By the way, a couple of um, funny anecdotes regarding Collins and Merton's. Uh, when Merton's, uh, Merton's wins a, a big point, she either shouts, Allez! Or come on, pretty much the the French and the um, obviously Merton's being from Belgium, being a, a a French speaker as well as probably a Dutch speaker. I don't know, um, uh, or Flemish, depending on your political persuasion. So, yeah, um, I thought it's quite funny that she would alternate those two uh, expressions and played really well. I felt a bit sad sad for her as she was walking down the the tunnel afterwards. I mean, Merton's is another one who I'd like to see win a slam one day. Uh, Collins maybe in many ways isn't quite so appealing in terms of her demeanor. I, I think the funny thing with Collins is you see her after uh, she's just won a crucial point and you see her after she's just lost a crucial point and the image is exactly the same. It's basically angry. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I still, I, I love watching her play. I think she's going to miss because she's so hitting the ball so hard, but she doesn't miss. I know that, as I say, at one point today, she lost her composure. But the way she hits that ball on the rise, it's incredible. A couple of times today, or more than a couple of times, Mertens tried to throw her by doing a couple of moon balls, but she was hitting it on almost a half volley, almost on the rise. You know, there was some some unbelievable swinging volleys as well from her. Just, I just love watching her play. I love seeing her aggression. Really looking forward um, to seeing how far she can go in this tournament. She's in the quarterfinals. The talent is there. The talent is there to win the tournament. And I mean that, even against Barty, uh, potentially in the final. The talent is there to win the tournament from, from Collins. The problem is, is can you play that aggressively on every point for seven matches and win a tournament? Until now, we've not seen it with Collins throughout her career, but... I'd love to see this style of tennis win because I love to see aggressive tennis. Um, okay, so that's a little bit there on the Americans or particularly more a bit on Collins there. Uh, I do see, you know, Pagula is obviously another one, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Collins is the one that excites me the most. Uh, let's have a quick look. One or two more questions before we sign off. Make sure you hit the like button, by the way, guys. I want to get to 100 again. Um, I want to get more subscribers as well. If you can, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, do so already. Kathy saying, I'd love to see Monfils win. Wouldn't we all? Absolutely. Uh, Rafa's lost in the quarterfinal here from surrender. Yeah. In 2018, 2020, 21, all played in the evening. Yeah. Interesting point. I mean, he does, they do tend to put his matches on the evening as, as we progress through the Aussie open, but he's obviously got his way here. And, um, I'm really looking forward to that match all the same. Uh, Swanchek was super aggressive every match at Roland Garros 2020. Yeah, that's a fair point. And yeah, you can win tournaments, I guess that way. Um, would be great to see Swanchek, you know, do well. And, and yeah. So anyway, that probably brings us to the end. Um, like, and subscribe. Uh, it's been a great show once again, 39 minutes, and I'm, for one, uh, looking forward to the preview. Uh, I'd like to see the, the previews as well this evening, JG, Ben, if we can get some animal action in. Uh, a friend of mine I know who's become a fan of the show, she studies sharks. So if you can get a shark on the show this evening, you know, I think it's not, not going to do any harm. Uh, I don't think it, uh, when I say a shark, I don't just mean an image. I mean, an actual shark on the show. Um, and to be honest with you, 
whatever the shark has to say in terms of predictions, it'll be better than Ben's. So tune in later. Tune in to see if we get a shark on. Tune in to see what Ben's predictions are. Have a good laugh and enjoy your evenings. Ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.